Okay, now we're recording. Okay, so uh, gram-negative bacteria, E. coli is something you guys have all heard of. All right, uh, e. coli naturally lives in your gut. A lot of these things, different staphs naturally live, uh, live on your skin. They're not all path- pathogenic. Some of them are symbiotic. But uh, there are pathogenic E. coli, which can be pretty terrible for you. And those are usually the ones they're referring to when they tell you there's an E. coli food bre- uh, breakout in your food. And then also Pseudomonas. Uh, another, actually, another bad E. coli is E. coli K1 is the one that can give you meningitis, right? Uh, the neonatal meningitis. But yeah, uh, Pseudomonas, I think I told you guys. No. Pseudomonas is so robust, it can actually live in soap. <laughs> right, so it's, Pseudomonas is a major problem in hospitals. It's usually causing respiratory infections. But that's a, it's another gram-negative bacteria that's potentially problematic. So anyway, that's a fundamental difference in their memory. Yes? Autoimmune response. Oh, it's not a... Well, so autoimmune is... The only autoimmune we mentioned was rheumatic fever, which was in response to gram-positive streptococcus pyogenes, which is group A strep. However, um, the, the, the depends what you call autoimmunity. So with gram-negative bacteria, what it is is there's, there's something called... Bacteria... Gram-negative bacteria contains something called... Endotoxin, okay, which is something like lipid A or LPS, lipopolysaccharide, okay, which binds to receptor. It's called toll-like receptor four. Okay, so this interaction, toll-like receptor four, is a pattern recognition receptor on the surface of all of your cells. Even your muscle cells have toll-like receptor four. It's part of your innate immune system. Your innate immune system, meaning certain things are just recognized by your body as being dangerous. Right? And, one of the, and if, if that's the case, then you have receptors in your body that already recognize it. You don't need a vaccination. You don't need anything to do with adaptive immunity. You have some things that if your body detects it, it freaks out already okay, without any learning necessary. It's an immediate response. This is one of those. Okay, so this is part of your innate immune system. It's one of the receptors of your innate immune system. It's toll-like receptor 4. And that's the one that binds to this endotoxin known as LPS. Endotoxin is so dangerous that... When they produce things like pharmaceutical drugs using gram-negative bacteria, they test for the presence of endotoxin. If, if any of you take marine biology, they'll talk about the horseshoe crabs. Has anyone learned about the horseshoe crabs? Chris, you're nodding your head. What do you know about it? You know about the horseshoe crabs? Uh, I heard something about it. Anybody know about the, the horseshoe crabs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, so they're, they're, you know, they're these giant-looking horses, you know, they're big, yeah. But uh, they actually capture them and draw their blood all the time, right? They're constantly pulling and taking blood from horseshoe crabs because there's something in horseshoe crab serum in their blood that naturally polymerizes in the presence of endotoxin. So it turns into, like, a gel-like form, 
and it's very sensitive. So these horseshoe crabs have a very excellent immune response to endotoxin. So much so that in the pharmaceutical industry, they take this plasma and they take their pharmaceutical drugs and they interact them with each other to make sure there's no endotoxin contamination. Because if there was, and if you put it in your body, it would kill you, probably. Okay? So the poor horseshoe crabs, their blood is being used to screen the drugs to make sure they don't have endotoxin. Essentially, I, I don't know if it's a coagulation if or it's just a gel polymerization, but it's, there's a chemical reaction that takes place. Ask the marine biology instructor and he'll tell you the exact. But yeah, it's, uh, they have a, 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 an excellent, very sensitive response to endotoxin. And we can talk about endotoxin because, so if you inject endotoxin into a lizard, it doesn't really do much. If you inject it into a mouse, it's about a thousand times less sensitive than us. But if you inject it in us, it will kill us at very low doses. So humans are particularly sensitive to it. And it's a component of only gram-negative bacteria. So this is only these bacteria. Of course, these are probably also incredibly problematic, gram-positive. But because of endotoxin, gram-negative bacteria can kill you very quickly. Yeah. Everything else. So, depending on the gram positive, if it's Staph aureus or something like that, they produce a lot of pore forming toxins, right? So, like things that are hemolytic, they make your blood cells blow up. They make everything blow up. They, they release a lot of things that make your cells blow up, uh, which can lead to hemolytic anemia or, or uh, can also screw up your barrier, right? Your tight junctions can get jacked up. If your barrier gets, get, gets compromised, you can have gut leaking and you know you can have all sorts of or endothelial leaking you can have all sorts of problems from gram positives if they're pathogenic secreting all sorts of things like yeah pore forming toxins or other sorts of toxins that can also damage your body but won't be as quickly won't be as fast as this because actually this is killing you because of your own immune response to the endotoxin on the surface of the bacteria which is sepsis, endotoxic shock or septic, sept, septic shock. All right, so anyway, so that's, that's a fundamental difference between the two types of bacteria, gram-positive, gram-negative bacteria. All right, so let's get back to eukaryotic membranes. There's actually a lot of different types of proteins that live on your cell surface that take very different functional roles. I think we, did we show this last time? Yeah, no? Okay, so we'll take our time. So down below what you see here, anybody know what these could be? These things right here, they're, look, microfilaments. So what are they made out of? Actin, that's right. So these are actin filaments, F-actin filament. F-actin means filamentous actin. So this is filamentous actin, part of your cytoskeleton. Actin is particularly important for connecting the inside of your cell to the outside of your cell. So that's one of these important proteins right here. This thing is known as an attachment protein. See this attachment protein? This thing connects the actin cytoskeleton to the extracellular matrix. I know we talked about the extracellular matrix, right? 
So that connection between the two is incredibly important. Okay, um, if you lose that connection between the actin and the extracellular matrix, that will cause some form of muscular dystrophy. If you're familiar with muscular dystrophy, like Duchenne muscular dystrophy, is the loss of dystrophin, which is one of the proteins involved in connecting the actin cytoskeleton to the extracellular matrix. If you have Duchenne muscular dystrophy, you really can't walk. You can start walking as a child, but you lose it quickly. And by, by teenage years, you can't raise your arm. And by early adulthood, you're stuck in a wheelchair and you have paralysis. Eventually, your heart or your diaphragm stops working. So you have to be on a respirator. Right? And then ultimately, your heart stops working. So you have full paralysis. Your muscles stop working. And it's all because you're just missing a protein that's connecting your actin cytoskeleton to your extracellular matrix. Okay? So that is a very important connection mechanically for regular mechanical function. All right, receptor proteins right, are binding to ligands, so they're sensing. So we did talk about this a little bit, right? Because we mentioned insulin receptor. Right? Insulin receptor is a receptor protein, so it, the ligand would be insulin. The ligand binds to the receptor, and then that propagates a signal that is transduced to the, through the inside of the cell. Okay, so those are very important. There's lots of receptor proteins. A lot of those membrane proteins function as receptor proteins. Important in all sorts of activity. Today, we're going to really focus on these two. So channels and pumps. So channels and pumps function to allow ions or things that normally would not be able to make it through the cell to actually make it through the cell can do so by the use of either channels or pumps. Junction proteins we already kind of talked about, right? Those could be anchoring junctions, gap junctions. Enzymes we'll spend a bunch of time on, okay? This one we won't spend a lot of time on, but I spent my whole PhD studying these things, and I'm glad that they even have a cartoon that talks about it. But uh, technically, all of these are glycoproteins. But they mention it here because there's also this thing called you know, cell recognition, where a cell recognizes another cell and it says, okay, that's me. I know that's me, so everything's good. Let's just chill. And it literally, mechanically, tells your body, sends signals that tell yourself to relax. Right? Versus if, you, if it detects, if it doesn't detect this, then it knows maybe something's wrong, and it sends your uh, cells into an alert. So those are also constantly going on. Self-identification, cell recognition through, through glycans. So that's just an example of some of the proteins that are sitting in your membrane. We said there's a lot of membrane protein. Now let's talk about some of the fundamental concepts uh, that membranes become important for, right? Membranes function as a barrier. They don't let things through, but some things they do let through. So what things can actually get through a membrane very easily? Water. Water can get through amazingly. Water passively diffuses, yeah. Obviously oxygen and CO2. Yeah, beta. things that are non-polar can go through the membrane very easily. Since uh, we should talk about vitamins, you guys know the vitamins that will go right through your membrane very easily? What's that? A, D, you're close. A, D, what's that? That's right, A, D, E, and K. 
All dragons eat knights. All dragons eat knights. Vitamin C is a little weird, but vitamin B, I have this terrible habit where I drink those uh, monster energy drinks. Those things are packed full of vitamin B, right? At least 100% of your daily recommended intake per drink, right? You couldn't do that with A, D, E, or K because you'd probably overdose pretty quickly, right? Because, yeah, if they're lipid-soluble, that means they go right into your cells. That means that if you take too much, you can overdose and it can kill you, okay? That's why it's good to know those, right? Um, C is a little weird, but B, you know, the, the, the water-soluble ones, if you take too much, it will never, your transporters won't let, there's feedback, so your transporters won't let that all in. So you'll just excrete it out. It'll come out in your urine or whatever, right? It won't be absorbed. So it's okay to take more than your daily recommended intake. Yeah? Um, I just want to make sure we're still talking about eukaryotic membranes, Yes, yes. All this is eukaryotic stuff. Yep. Well, technically oxygen and CO2 and, and technically the vitamins, lipid-soluble, will go, yeah, any membrane. But we are talking about, we are focusing now on uh, eukaryotic all, all the proteins I was talking about a second ago, those are all relevant to eukaryotic membranes, although a lot of those are also in prokaryotic cell membranes. But yeah, here we're also dealing with the fact oxygen is hydrophobic, oxygen gas, so is CO2. So those can freely uh, diffuse, which is important. Diffusion is very important. Okay, if you're not familiar with diffusion... Diffusion is like an amazing force of nature because essentially what diffusion wants is for all things to be equal. So if you have, did we, did we talk about this? No, we haven't talked about it. So if you have a lot of stuff on one side, This is like if you this is like really powering a lot of things in our in our body. I'll give you an example. Let's say you got a lot of things on one side, but not on the other side. Just the law of diffusion states that they the what happens is but they're separated by some sort of barrier. Okay, let's say they're stuck in like some sort of container. All right, like if they could, if you were to cut a, if you were to put a hole in this thing, these things will move over to here until they reach equilibrium. That's like a major force of nature. They want equality molecularly. Molecularly, they want equality, but you can't get it because there's some barrier here. So because, and so these forces actually contribute to potential energy. Okay, what I'm describing to you guys right here is if I put a little thing right here, does anybody know what I'm drawing? You guys recognize that? Anybody recognize this? I'm not the best drawer here. Battery. This is a battery, right? That's a battery. So you got a bunch of stuff on one side and not another, right? 
instead of poking a hole, what you do is you connect the two, right? You connect them, right? And then you have the flow of electrons, and then you actually turn your light on because of that, right? Because that was, there's potential energy in the battery, because there's a chemical difference. Which is why once they reach equilibrium, you can just take that material, reseparate them while you can recycle it, right? So like just separating two things allows you to power the light bulb. Right? There's energy there. Isn't that incredible? All you did was... I just think it's so cool, right? So you, your cells and every, this is a force of nature. Is It wants to be equal. So if it's not equal, you can harness that movement of that in order to generate power. Which you will find in this class also powers your ability to move, your ability to breathe, your ability to exist. The powerhouse of your cell, the mitochondria, works off of the same thing, except instead of, instead of this being a battery, it's a cell membrane. Here's the cell membrane. I need a new marker now. Right? And you have a bunch of positives on one side and not on the other. Okay? So this, this force, okay, the, the desire for things to be equal, when you're talking about solutes, so things that are in liquid, is diffusion. And diffusion is also ion specific. So it's not as simple as just, if there's positives on this side, imagine you have a bunch of red, imagine you have a bunch of... Uh, Red positives on this side. Let's say these are, well, let's, let's be specific. So if you have a bunch of potassiums on this side, and you have a bunch of sodiums on this side, there is an overall membrane potential. However, in this case, if I poke a hole in the membrane, potass the, the potassiums are going to want to rush this way, and the sodiums are actually going to want to rush this way. And this is how a nerve fires. So when you take physiology or something like that, you learn that this is how your nerves fire. Is that you set up a gradient where you have more sodium on one side, more potassium on the other. And when you open the channels, the sodium rushes that way, the potassium rushes that way. And that's how you make a nerve fire. So your body is using this all the time. Alright? It's amazing. I think it's so cool. This is like one of the most exciting things in my, in my little world. Is how your whole body is being powered by these movement of ions. What's that? Yeah, through diffusion. And it's like, then you could like draw the parallels between like society. You're like, eventually we're all going to be equal. Because that's just, no. that's just like, uh, it's an inevitable force, right? But that's, I mean, we're talking about ions here. I don't know about society. Uh, you know. All right. But at least molecularly, things will be. And if they're not, then we can harness that power to utilize it to, to make, to make uh, things happen. So sometimes we separate them on purpose so that we can draw power from them. Right? Okay, so that was a little bit of a thing.
Alright, so what you're looking at now, this is fixed law of diffusion. All this is telling you is what other things matter when it comes to the movement of things across the membrane. Alright, so even though sodium wants to move, or even though a potassium wants to move, well, it depends. So if these two things are going through a channel, that's one story. If they're freely diffusing across a membrane, something like oxygen gas, or uh, you know, a hydrophobic drug like vitamin K, things that are like freely diffusing across the membrane may not diffuse at the same speed due to these different parameters that matter. So one thing that matters is, and we're gonna do a lab on this, but one thing that matters is size, another thing that matters is hydrophobicity, Another thing that matters is membrane surface area. All of these things matter. And this is really important. If any of you guys get into pharmacology, this becomes very important for like the bioavailability of a drug. So if you, take, if you want a drug to leave your circulation very quickly, you'll make it more hydrophobic. So it will diffuse faster out of the bloodstream. If you want a drug to, to be in circulation for longer so that it can reach whatever you want, the liver, you know, or the, the lungs, or not the lungs, the lungs is pretty fast, but, you know, depending on where you want it to reach, you may modulate the hydrophobicity so that it diffuses slower, right? So it's more, so it has a greater bioavailability to reach more different tissues before it's completely taken up. All right, I'm going too slow again. I'm going to go too slow in this class. Yeah. I forgot your name, I'm sorry. Nadia, sorry. That's correct. So if they're polar, they cannot get through without a channel, which is what we're talking about right here. Yeah. I know, water's weird. So water is like a different beast. Water can get through, but it's actually not the whole story. So water is described to be passively diffusing across the membrane, even though it's not correct, because it's, it just, it gets through magically. We don't entirely understand, but water will move across the membrane. However, there are also water channels, aquaporins, right? So there are channels for water. Uh, so it's, water is a different beast. Your body's made out of water, so it figures out a way. You know, they say that water squeezes through here and squeezes through there, uh, but water is polar. So it's, it's, it's uh, water special, I guess you could say. But there are water channels. But when we talk about osmosis, we're talking about the passive diffusion of water. So, water special. Any other questions? Well, uh, water's not that fast, though. Osmosis doesn't occur incredibly quickly. But all right, so things. But things that typically we're talking about. Uh, molecules that are hydrophobic that can passively diffuse across the membrane. However, other things that are, as you mentioned, Nadia, things that are polar, polar things cannot go directly across the membrane. Water is a special case. Other things definitely can't, like DNA or, you know, even sodium or even H. So water is H2O, right? Water can magically get through. However, something as small as H plus 
cannot get through because of the true positive charge. Maybe it's because water is like not truly charged, it's like slightly charged. But I don't know, because it's still, water is still considered polar, right? But water is special. But hydrogen ion cannot get through a membrane on its own. Okay? Hydrogen ion cannot get across. Alright, so because it cannot get across, it requires either a channel or a pump. Okay? Um, if it's going in the direction of the gradient, or let me just give you, let me give you my best example analogy. Okay, imagine a dam. You guys know any good dams that are around here? Are there any San Diego dams? Lake Hodges? Pomona has one? Lake Hodges has one? I haven't been to Lake Hodges. So they've got a big dam, right? Okay, so that means that on one side, you've got what? It's full of water? Right? Yeah? Barely right now, probably because of the California, because of the droughts forever, or what? But normally, you should have this side be full, right? And then on this side, normally you have like some lake or like some river or whatever, right? The town is here, like hoping that this never breaks, right? So this is an analogy, but you would say that this side has a high amount of water, right? High. And this is a low amount of water, right? Yeah? Everybody agree with this so far? Okay, so what if you were to poke a hole in the middle of the dam? Which way would the water go? High to low. High to low, yeah, exactly, right? So the water would come gushing out of here like crazy, right? It would just be like, the whole dam would probably break apart, right? As this water, right? So it's like you open the floodgates, literally, right? Okay, so that's my analogy for facilitated diffusion. This will be facilitated, right? Because the water, and I know this isn't perfect because water can actually get through miraculously. But let's say you have a high concentration of, of solute on one side, and a low concentration on the other, it can't get through. It cannot passively diffuse. But if you open a hole for it, it will come out, and you, it's not going to take you any energy to get it to go that way, right? It's just going to come gushing out. So that's my analogy for facilitated diffusion. Facilitated diffusion is going in the direction that it's supposed to go. All you're doing is opening the hole so that it can get through. So it's going with the flow, right? So facilitated diffusion
involves a channel, it's like a channel or transporter opens, but then it goes with the flow. It goes in the direction that you would expect it to go because there's so much more on this side than that side. It's the same kind of idea when you connect the battery, right? Things are going to go from one side to the other in the direction that you expect, right? Okay, now imagine that instead of doing that, instead of doing facilitated diffusion, okay, imagine this is still a regular barrier, but now you actually want to take water from this side and put it on that side. Okay, let's say you created the same hole here. And now actually you want to run a pipe from here and you want to pump it this way, from the low to the high. What is it going to take in order to do that? Energy, yeah. It takes energy and really you need a pump, right? You need some sort of pump which takes energy, right? Because now you're trying to go from the low concentrate or the low to the high. Right? Which shouldn't happen. Normally, if you open this hole, it should come gushing out that way. Right? So now you're going against the gradient. You're going against how it should be. And so that's essentially my analogy for active transport. But active transport is going in the opposite direction as diffusion would want it to be. Alright? And that takes energy. So this is like active transport. Does that make sense? In your cell, the energy usually takes the form of ATP. Although we will learn in the mitochondria, for example, you utilize other things like the movement of electrons in order to generate a gradient using pumps. Okay, so if we just replace this, okay, if we take, <clears throat> instead of like a dam, if we just say that this is, you know, hydrogen ion, and you have more on this side, and you have less on this side, We apply the same idea, right? If I open a channel, if it's going this way, it's going to be facilitated diffusion. If I'm trying to get it to go that way, I need a pump and I need energy, right? And this is going to be, instead of this being a dam, this will be the membrane. Yeah, that all makes sense? Yeah, okay. So that's the point of these cartoons. This is in words if that works for you better. Okay, so then let me ask you a checkpoint question. I was supposed to do a Socrative, but... Am I putting you guys to sleep? Is this... Is this... How many of you guys already know all this stuff? Alejandro, Brady. Some of you guys already know this. This is like review. Okay, but not too many of you. But the rest of you aren't admitting it. So this is actually new? 
Okay, good. All right. So then let me ask you this. If you have a cell, okay, and let's say it's got 10 millimolar calcium concentration. Or actually, let me, let me put it to you this way. If there is a pump that is working to pump calcium outside of the cell, then is the concentration of calcium higher inside of the cell or outside of the cell? Wait, talk to your partner real quick. Is calcium... Talk to, your, talk to Vivian over there, Jenna. Are we good? Alright, so is it is it higher on the outside or, or higher on the inside? Outside. Outside, okay, good. So calcium is higher on the outside. Okay, good. So let me give you a couple more. So let's say calcium. Let's say it's 10 millimolar on the inside. Let's say it's 10 micromolar on the inside. Okay? So you guys got that one, so then you know that naturally the calcium wants to go this way, right? By facilitated diffusion. But so if you if you're pumping it, if you if you want to get it that way, you have to pump it. Okay, so let me give you two other ones. Let's say potassium is five millimolar, and here let's say potassium is uh, ten micromolar. Okay, and then let's say that chloride is. 5 millimolar, we're just making up numbers. Say chloride here is 10 micromolar. Did I do that right? Let's do 10 millimolar. Okay, now talk to your partner and decide which way does calcium want to go if it's going to be, if it's facilitated diffusion, if it's facilitated diffusion, which way does potassium want to go and which way does chloride want to go? Talk to your partner. people say that potassium is going to go in? How many people say potassium is going to go in? <laughs> You're like, yeah. Are you, are you, yeah, yeah, okay. 
How many people say that potassium is going to go out? Everybody, okay. Lots of people. Some people, lots of people. Okay. Um, chloride ion. How many people say it's going to go in? It's like half of the class. All right. How many people say it's going to go out? Nobody? So only half of the class is confident. Wait, so how many, so how many people are, think that chloride is going to go in? All right, it's a little better. Okay. They're like, yo, I was just talking. You're just using the opportunity to hang out. All right, uh, yeah. So, okay, so chloride is going in. That's right. Potassium is going out. That's right. Okay, good. Because, watch the units. So this is micromolar, which is 10 to the negative 6. And this is millimolar, which is 10 to the negative 3. Watch the units. Watch those units. If that's why I have the class, raise your hand. All right, the other half wasn't sure. All right. All right, good. I'm glad we had this conversation. So if you see micromolar versus millimolar, you'll know. All right, good. Okay, so we talked about transport protein. Okay. Here is an example of a famous pump functioning inside of your cells. Scott, what's up? If calcium's going this way, then yeah, these are all facilitated. Diffusion. Yeah, so if, if, I, if I open a channel for all of these, this is the way they want to go. That's right. That's right, because they're all going with the flow, right? They're going with the flow. So it's facilitated diffusion. All right, you're, just, you're facilitating their ability. You open the door for them. All right, or you open the floodgates. All right, they want to get through, they just can't. But once you open the door, they're going to come rushing in. Right, which is different from active transport. Active transport has to use energy to go against them. So it's like holding, it's like going against the way that things want to go. That's the energy. Yeah, so this cartoon is of the sodium potassium pump, very famous pump. And what it's doing is pumping three sodiums out for every two potassiums in. So this creates what I was talking to you guys with the battery, right? Like a bunch of sodium on one side bunch of potassiums on the other side so that when you open the floodgates it's just like oh, I didn't do sodium but sodium's higher on the outside right so sodium naturally wants to go in potassium naturally wants to go out and a big part of that is this pump it's working to make that happen and it's using energy to make that happen so that you can then utilize that to make your nurse fire yeah? So it's an important. These pumps are important. Your kidneys are more full of more pumps than any... The kidneys are full of pumps. That you can imagine, right? Because they're dealing with your... Trying to get all the sodium and stuff out of your blood. So they're pumping like crazy to get rid of the ions and stuff. But your neurons... Most of, a lot of your cells in the body have this sodium-potassium pump. It's a very famous pump. So it's using that phosphorus. So you guys recognize the phosphorus? What is the phosphorus 
That's an oversimplification. Technically, what is a major energy source in your body that involves phosphorus? That's right, ATP, which is really adenosine triphosphate. So it's got three phosphates. And really what it does is it hydrolyzes to become what? This is ATP. It hydrolyzes to become ADP, which is adenosine diphosphate. Okay, so really all it's doing is hydrolyzing off a of phosphate. See, it just loses a phosphate. Then there's actually another reaction that takes place. You guys know about creatine? Yeah. Right, so creatine phosphate donates its phosphate to help replenish the phosphate, put it back onto ADP to form ATP. Creatine monophosphate donates that. Where does that process happen? Where does creatine add the phosphate? Definitely in your muscles heavily. So it can probably happen. So I'll tell you that most cells in your body, and we'll learn this, we're going to talk about metabolism. We're going to spend a lot of time on that. But the way it works is, good question. The way it works is, if you're looking at pathway, Over time, most cells in your body are aerobic. So they're gonna use they're gonna use mitochondria to do glycolysis and then Krebs cycle and all this stuff. However, some cells in your body are anaerobic. Right? So the anaerobic. Okay, and they're gonna utilize first ATP CP pathway, which is what we described over there. Then they're gonna get into anaerobic glycolysis. Then you get into um, aerobic glycolysis and aerobic respiration. So basically we'll just call this aerobic, which requires oxygen. Most cells, most cells in your body prefer to do aerobic respiration. Like if most cells in your body, except for red blood cells, because they're delivering the oxygen everywhere, they're not going to use it all. Uh, skeletal muscle, because it's just the way, it depends on the skeletal muscle, right? You'll learn type 1, type 2, type 3, or type 1, type 2, type 2X, type 2A, B, and X. So the more you go down the numbers, right, the more anaerobic. So they'll prefer this, this part, right? And then there's other, like your endothelial cells. You're, we're learning more and more that endothelial cells actually prefer anaerobic uh, metabolism. And then also, cancer really prefers, it's called the Warburg effect, where cancer kind of prefers this pathway versus this pathway, which is allowing us to metabolically target cancer by targeting these pathways. And also, the, the weird thing about all that is that there's guys, we'll talk about Dean Carnes, whatever, Carnesis, who can run forever. Like, he can run longer than... Like, he'll become tired and fall asleep before he gets tired of running after several days. And he's got mutations in... What's that? Yeah, because of lactate, which is involved in the anaerobic. But he's got super endurance. So he kind of turns the whole thing on its head. So, you know, uh, but that's because of the lactate threshold. The lactic acid buildup helps even blocks the function of this. 
What's that? Yeah, because if you're doing aerobic respiration, you won't be producing as much lactate. Right? Lactate is a is a it's lactate is generated from this. From anaerobic like constant. And then but the ATPC pathway is even shorter than that. So if you're like a, a marathon runner and if you're taking creatine, you're not gonna get any benefit from it because you're over here. Right? But if you're like a weightlifter and you're doing something for seconds, this pathway is like in the seconds, like up to ten seconds. Pro yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a. I'm sure all the creatine you're supplementing is not actually getting into your muscles and being functional. But uh, some of it is, right? It gives you some benefit in this pathway, but it only for that short pathway. And this, so this is primarily in your cells that prefer uh, anaerobic rest, anaerobic metabolism, which is primarily red blood cells, muscle, and endothelial cells. But well, that's what we were talking about here. So, but anyway, the point is, is that phosphate can be lost and gained, and then, right, phosphate can be delivered from other places. But this is only contributing to very short bursts in your body. And to generate more of it, well, we'll, we'll spend a bunch of time on this stuff, and you guys will hate it because it's metabolic biochemistry. But I love it, obviously, because it's uh, it's really important for. Things like disease and, uh, you know, diabetes and all that stuff. All right. So last thing we should talk about. Oh, no, not last thing. I'm doing, going too slow again. I'm going too slow in this class. Why am I going so slow? Am I putting you guys to sleep? No. No, it's okay? I feel like I'm going too slow. That's okay. We'll catch up. Um... Phagocytosis. Phagocytosis is a type of endocytosis. We talked about endocytosis, right? We said endocytosis is internalization, and if it's eating, it's phagocytosis. If it's drinking, it's phenocytosis, right? So, but a lot of this phagocytosis is receptor-mediated. So that's the point here is I want to talk about receptor-mediated internalization. So if something's too big to diffuse, or if it's, you know, if it's not an ion or something like that, if it's something big like a bacteria, you have actual receptors called like, for example, you know, your antibodies will recognize the bacteria and then you have FC gamma receptor, which will bind to the antibodies and help internalize and stuff. So you have, you can have complicated internalization of things that are based off receptors on the cell surface. Okay. Then once those things get internalized, they're called endosomes. Right? And we said that endosomes can then potentially fuse with the lysosomes. You guys remember what that's called? Endosomes fusing with lysosomes? Mm, you had to turn to your partner and say it. Anyone remember? Talk to your partner. Anybody remember? So endosomes come, when things get internalized from the outside, they're endosomes, they can fuse with lysosomes. Collectively, the endosomes and lysosomes, what's that called? Autophagy. Autophagy is when you start destroying your own internal stuff, self-eating. But what a... Yeah, I heard it. Who's that? Brennan? Yes. Yes. The endolysosomal machinery. How could you forget that word? 
<laughs> See, now I don't feel as bad for forgetting your names. What's that? What's that? I, I wrote it down and I put it on the way. What is it? Yeah, so it's describing the fact that it's describing this, right? So things can be internalized, and when they are, they're endosomes. But remember that if they're internalized, they're not just, they can't just be inside of your cell like they're part of your cell, right? They get quarantined, they get sent to the lysosome. And then the lysosome is only, lysosome's gonna break it down and only transport out things that it needs through facilitated diffusion or through pumps that only let out like glucose and amino acids and things that it can use in the factory in the ER to make new stuff, right? So collect it. And then these things can recycle, right? So they can, they can be internalized and go back to the cell surface or they can go somewhere else, you know, or they can go to the lysosome. But that whole machinery collectively is known as the endolysosomal machinery. Okay? All right. One more thing we got to talk about. I'm late. We're going to have to talk about osmosis next time. I suck. Here, watch, it, watch a video. The plasma membrane is permeable to water molecules, and the movement of water into endogenous cells is critical to life. Diffusion of water molecules across the selectively permeable membrane is a special kind of passive transport called osmosis. Well, we're going to have to talk about osmosis less, next time because I'm too slow. I got to speed up. But, uh, yeah. We'll talk about osmosis in a week. Should I just t- should I talk about it really quick? Three minutes? No. Three minutes? I mean, it's more important than that. No, I'll just I'll, I'll come back to it. It's only two slides, but I'll come back to it. It's only two slides. I'll come back to it. All right. Have a nice weekend. I'm not gonna keep you here on your Friday of classes. Friday night of classes. Have a nice weekend, and we'll talk about osmosis next time. Professor Elliot, Kim, what's up? Apple pen. Yeah, I love. Is that like a like a stylus? Ah, I I didn't find one, but I I didn't I didn't see one. Okay. Like left on a desk or anything, I didn't see it because I went through and I looked at every every because I checked every single microscope and I checked every single slides thing. I didn't see anything on top, left on top of the table or anything. Okay. It's probably at home. Okay. I figured I'd ask you before. Okay. I hope so. See you again. Bye. What's up, Mandy? Yeah. Just print them. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't allow iPads. But I, I can, uh, but you can print everything or. You can print them as big or small. You can bring as many pieces of paper as you want. Is that cool? Sorry, Mandy. I know you want your iPad, right? But I can't. It wouldn't be fair to everybody else, right? You gotta have a level playing field. But if you're taking notes, then you probably have it memorized. And if you, and if you need it, you can bring as many of the bring it all. It's all good. What's up? Levant. Levant. Cool. Yeah. I don't have extras. Well, actually, I might have extras. Like, I have ones that students left from semesters before. Yeah. They're out? Check uh, Amazon. Amazon, uh, that's where I got mine. You can get it embroidered. Yeah. Put your name on it. Yeah. No, but if you organize it, like, you're just like, good enough. What's up, George? If I use the Jason study for the final project, so would that be more?
Uh, extra credit. Or no, no, you can use it for Final Project. If it's if it's a pri if you find a primary literature paper that's describing something having to do with it, then yeah. if you want to describe like a current topic, current event kind of thing, then that would be extra credit. Sound good? Extra credit, you only write a page. The research paper, you write a little bit more. Sound good? What's up, Susie? Yeah, bring it. it. It's not a dangerous day. We're just working with cells. Really, you just need gloves. But do you take another class? That you need it because you can store it in the lab. Oh, I have one more. Okay. I just picked one up from work. I just I left it in my car. So okay. Like if I don't have to walk back, but if you say we'll need it, then I'll. I mean, you won't. If, today you won't need it. But as long as you have gloves, gloves are the main one for today. Uh, I have some. Word, it's all good, it's all good. Peter, are you gonna take honors? I want to, but I wanted to ask you something. Yeah. Can I do it on like red light and planet growth or something? Yeah. Plants are biological. It's biological, right? Yeah. Well, it depends what you're doing. So if you're if you're gonna do an experiment, yeah, I want to do I want to do both because that's good. right for the honors. So then, yeah, yeah, because for the Joe, you good? You good? All right. I'm just gonna put this in my car. All right, you're coming to lab. You're, yeah. you're both yeah, Thursday yeah, lab. Yeah. Good. Okay, cool. I have one question about the last year. The thing that you said was forty. That's five. M is actually forty, right? So we don't have to 